everyone welcome back to psych with dr dk i am dr dk i am glad to be back with you today's episode we're going to be talking about foster care and what it is why it is and how does it happen so we're going to do the what how why when um so some things to know the reason we have been taking a large break is because over the course of the, the month of may i've been running around california being able to speak at foster care events for families foster care students who are in college, uh, for staff, faculty, and stakeholders at the colleges and counties of California uh, to talk about, you know, what uh, it is like to be a foster care kid navigating the educational system and to also train foster care staff, faculty, and parents on uh, just some things to know so that they're more aware of what can happen emotionally, mentally, and physically with a foster youth student. Uh, one of the things that comes across when these conversations happen is the question of, well, for those who don't know, um, is why? Why does foster care happen? Um, or when does foster care happen? And I think it's a very important topic that we need to talk about because this is the kind of a reason why not a lot of people are aware of how to help. So when a child is placed in foster care, it is um, always because of neglect and abuse. Now, foster care does not happen to a student or a, uh, sorry, a, a child um, if they're self-harming or um, if the child is abusing the family. If the child is abusive toward the family or uh, self-harming, they're put in an institution for mental health. They're trying to improve their mental health. And this is not to say that that has never happened. Sometimes it is revealed that the foster care kid uh, was put in foster care because of the parents being abusive. And that's why the child was acting out the way that they were or they were self-harming because they were being abused. Um, so when a child is put into foster care, it is never because of the child. It is always because of the parent. So what happens is uh, foster care, I think there's some misconceptions and misunderstandings and I've had a lot of conversations on this is, you know, I don't understand why a foster care kid is put in the system and then reunified at home and then put back in the system. So we're going to kind of talk through that a little bit. It's kind of a lot to untangle, um, but really why kids are put into foster care is because the parent is neglectful. Uh, long-term neglect and abusive. So when a child is taken from the home, it is never almost always immediately. Sometimes the cases of when it is immediate and that, that kid is taken out immediately is when there is severe neglect and abuse and the parent is, is not um, safe for the child to be around or the environment they're in is not safe. When that happens, it's usually like there is an excessive amount of drugs and alcohol um, that are being consumed by the parent and the parent is putting this child in danger. For example, getting into a car with the child, not caring that they're buckled in and speeding down the freeway. Um, another thing is they're abusing the child physically, like severe abuse, not discipline. Now, I'm going to kind of go over that a little bit because I think, again, there's some confusion between what real discipline is and abuse and where, when that crosses over. Um, but the other things that, that could happen is maybe the child is literally walking around the neighborhood at two or three years old with no parent. This has happened and this is when children get taken away because it's like, where's your parent? I don't know. I haven't seen them in three days. Um Sometimes when a death occurs uh, where it was something like the children were being 
neglected and left and one child dies and the other two or three or one are by themselves in apartments or houses and nobody knew that that child was there. So there's there's this really, it's very clear that the parents or, are no longer fit to take these children and protect them. That's why this has happened, is, is that. The other thing is uh, neglect is when there's no food in the house for long periods of time. The children are dirty. Their clothes are always dirty. Um, they're always like in, they're in school. They're just like, I'm not eating. Um, maybe they're always hungry. There's some signs that teachers have to pay attention to uh, that, that say like this kid is possibly being neglected. I am seeing bruises or I'm not seeing bruises, but this child is scarfing down food when we feed them and then saying they're always hungry and they don't come in with lunch and there's no lunch thing for them to take advantage of at the school and the parent is MIA most of the time and will not speak with us. So now again, some people are like, well, my kid's always hungry. <laughs> like, like, and we face that at the school. I understand it's frustrating, but there are students that are in your student's classroom who are being neglected. And this is where teachers are just protecting the innocent and making sure things that are not supposed to happen are not happening. So um, a little bit about when they're put into foster care is when um, CPS can come in. Sometimes they take a while. Sometimes it's in a one or two report situations when they see extreme abuse, such as children will, will immediately be taken from their home when that child has been hospitalized for broken bones, um, babies, babies uh, shaking syndrome, and other things. So, and and or sexual abuse when it's severe. Um, if it's, if a child is is said that someone is molesting them, um, sometimes that takes time. If the person that is molesting them is in the home, typically what they do is they'll say that individual needs to go and cannot be around these children. But then if the parent continues to let the predator around the child, then some actions may be taken for that child to be taken into foster homes. Um, so the question always comes up is, well, what do you consider excessive drinking? Or what do you consider as um, abuse versus discipline? So excessive drinking, they're not going to sit there. CPS doesn't look at how much you're drinking as a parent. Um, they are really not going to pry into anything until they see that this is affecting the child. So again, getting into a car um, <clears throat> after heavily drinking and, and not driving safely, that's putting the child in danger. Um, and, and or allowing that alcohol to be so excessive or drugs to be excessive that it's now affecting the child because you're abusing, physically assaulting the child and beating the child up. That is when, you know, it's not one or two drinks. So I know some people, they get so afraid that CPS is going to come into their life. And I'm like, kind of, I just, it kind of makes me squint a little bit because I'm just like, if you're not abusing your child, you shouldn't worry. If your child is fed and you're not neglecting your child, no one's going to care how much alcohol you drink. Now, your doctor might because you might be drinking too much that it's it's hurting your liver and your kidneys, but CPS is not going to come in because you had one or two drinks or however many drinks that you have until it affects the child. You're no longer taking the child to school. You're no longer um, making sure they get to school safely or home safely. You're not home when they're home all the time. They're not eating. They're running in the streets. Those are things of neglect. 
Um, so it kind of goes into the next question that a lot of people will ask is, well, what's the difference between me spanking my child and being accused of beating them up? Okay, guys, come on. That's kind of a silly question, but I get it because this is a reality is that some people uh, will say like, I just hit, I just spanked him. And what they mean is I took my two-year-old's and I spanked him with a belt seven times because he didn't listen to me when I counted to three. That's excessive. That's excessive discipline, uh, especially with an object. Now, there are rules for disciplining. Um, you can put your kid on a timeout. You can take things away. Like You can discipline your child in a safe manner. If they're trying to touch the fire and you smack their hand, that's not abuse. When you take a book or a um, spatula to the back of their head multiple times because they moved away you didn't like them to, that's abuse. I'm just going to call it out. Like you don't take an object and hit your kid. Like if you're going to spank your child, it's with your palm of your hand or the, the fingertips of your hand one or two times and it's not going to be super hard. It's just to get their attention to be like, hey, stop. And, and most parents who parent very well... They'll say spanking is the last resort and it's for really bad things like they punch their their brother or a friend and they won't stop and you put them on a timeout that doesn't stop so then you smack them and then you know spank them on the butt and then you put them in their room like there's levels of what you do and when you're in an abusive situation as a child with a parent there is no levels it is all excessive it is i'm going to i'm going to hit you until I feel this feeling out of my body. And so what happens, in, and this is the sad reality, is that it's not one smack on the butt. It is a rod, a, a hanger, a shoe, a belt, a book, whatever they can grab in their hand over and over and over and over and over again until that person inside their, their emotion feels like, okay, I'm done disciplining them. This is a very dangerous way to think about how to discipline your child. And if you're like, well, I hit my kid until they're blue, you need to rethink your discipline. Um, and I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but I'm, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. Like, that's abuse. Um, there have been situations where parents will say, you know what? And this is disgusting. Um, but they rationalize sexual abuse well my child wanted me to do it um and that's a very gross thing and this is where i have a hard time in any situation where they're like well it's totally fine that i touch my child that way um it's totally uh, there's just that could go off on the tangent but it's sexual abuse is always wrong always doesn't matter if it was once doesn't matter at, at one time is bad and I think that there's this notion that, well, this is stuff I have heard from people firsthand is, well, he didn't have sex with you. It's like, no, but he touched my body and groped my body. Um, that's sexual abuse. And boys and girls can be sexually abused. And I think there is a stigma that it's only girls and the sexual predator is only male. That's false. Men and women both can uh, sexually abuse somebody. And, and even to the point of um, that child being pregnant or getting some, someone else pregnant. It's very rare when that happens when they're young. Um, 
but it has happened. You know, there has been cases where it's a teacher who has persuaded a teenager to have sex with them. And it's just disgusting. So when sexual abuse happens in the family, the person who's sexually abusing is asked to leave the home. Now, again, when that doesn't happen, usually more more visits happen and, and they try to, excuse me, they try to uh, determine what should happen with the children to keep them safe. Sexual abuse is, is horrible. The hardest one to prove, though, is emotional abuse. Now, emotional abuse, again, some people get on to me about this when I share about what I went through uh, with my parents is they're like, well, parents are just going to say things. They don't mean it. When your parent decides to tear you down to make them feel superior, it's abuse. There is a difference be between being like, I don't like that you're doing that or like, oh my God, I hate you. And like, stop doing that. Like where you're, it's instant and you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to say that again. I'm going to try my heart. Like, oh, I can't believe those, those words slipped out of my mouth. Those are accidents. But to purposefully say, nobody loves you. Everybody hates you. You are the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And to do this over and over and over again, to feel that you're first off like look how I have this over you but secondly to be like this is what this is words are really gonna hurt you there you know we we know that children are different every child's different some children it's like you could say I'm disappointed in you and it's like oh that hurts them so bad but then when you know you say that to another child they're like you know I'm really disappointed they're like eh, whatever um it's different. And if you know as an abuser that words hurt your child, uh, you use that to your advantage. And it's really hard to prove like things that for, because it's he said, she said at that point. Um, but I, I mean, I remember a parent telling me, my own parent telling me they wish that I was dead. They wish that they could kill me, that they think about it. Um, that I was the worst thing to happen. As soon as I was born, their life was ruined. Um, they thought about killing me um, multiple times, like abortions and things like that. And like, I wished that that God would make you stop breathing at night. Those are not things you tell your child. Um, and so when people are like, parents make mistakes, I'm like, not like that. Not like that. I'm sorry. No, because that's abuse. And, and that's where talking with families on things that we could do better um, on it, it really doesn't come from a hey you're doing the wrong things it's more of just like hey these are things that I did experience as a foster care kid um, I don't go into the details like that and the nitty-gritty uh, I just say you know there are we have to realize that foster care kids are emotionally damaged physically damaged when they're abused and and spiritually even crushed and so we have to breathe this life back into them to say look I'm so first off I'm sorry that this happened to you secondly I'm not going to be that person who tolerates that on your behalf. But here's how I'm going to do life with you and fight for you. So when foster care happens again, it's not because the child did anything. It's because the parents did a lot of bad things. And, and from my own experience, and I've talked to a few other foster care kids that I know, is that usually it took a while for, for CPS to say, okay, this house is no longer deemed necessary to, or this parent is not deemed necessary. They're not the best parent. They're not going to change. This is dangerous for the kids to be here. 
um, before they take the kid away. And it, it takes report after report after report. Sometimes it takes longer. When it's harder to prove, it takes a really long time. Um, you know, and the hard part is when you're physically and sexually abused, when CPS has to check you, uh, you're literally naked. naked. Um, and they have to like take pictures and examine you. And it is so hum humiliating that it's like, why am I going to do this every single time? Why am I going to literally expose my heart and my body to a stranger and then have them walk away and do nothing? And I experienced that. And it is really heartbreaking to hear that other children out there are being told that they're liars because their parents are good at manipulating and changing the narrative to what fits for them. And there is this exposure that happens that, that when you're put into foster care, it's your fault. And your life is exposed to the world. Everyone knows. And and when, when you think like, the, the, here's the reality is that someone's just like, this kid is in foster care. Well, this is our foster care kid. You literally think that every detail of your story is being told and that everyone is ex just, oh yeah, she was this and this is this. Here's that picture. And that's how you feel. You become a case versus a person. And so you lose yourself and you lose your self-esteem and you lose your credibility because people call you liars and family members have and i've again talked to so many others who experience this family members will call them liars and say you you just need to listen and if you just did better you wouldn't have to deal with your dad or mom hitting you or abusing you or whatever and it's like as a child you believe them and as an adult on the other side i'm like oh my god you were lying and you literally were the person who could have saved me from so much more and my siblings and you chose not to why because you liked them you liked my parent and that's that's just a very real reality is that sometimes people just don't see the child now a big question I also get asked is reunification I know reunification can work in some instances and it does not in others as well as CPS knows, but they have to show the court they're doing everything on behalf of the child for the child's well-being. However, the child isn't the one being able to prove that. The parent has to. So reunification, if you don't know what it is, it is where once the child has been taken out into a foster home, they try to place the child back once the parent has done um, the to-do list of what they need to do to basically get their child back in the home. If that child ends up back in the home um, and then the parent fails again or is abusive again, the child is then taken back into foster homes. And it's not the same one. It's usually a different foster home. The hard reality is that these children are just looking for someone to love them. I was, I was a kid who just wanted love. And so when you are written off by your parents and then CPS bounces you around a little bit, um, or a lot. Some kids are bounced around at least eight times. Some have said I was bounced around 24 times. And I talked to a family um, in the month of May at an event. They said their 18-month-old had been, I think she said, over 18 homes. 18-month-old. 18-month-old. Uh, I think it was like 18 or 20 times since since the baby was born. Had been bounced around and they were looking to adopt this child. Um, it's It's heartbreaking. It's hard to hear 
And it's heartbreaking because you hear these stories of these children consistently being torn from their home, never having the same house twice. Um, and, and really what happens again is it's just nobody wants me. Nobody cares enough to just keep me here. And as a child, you don't understand the reunification. You're just like, okay, mommy did what she needed to do or daddy did what they needed to do. And now we're back to square one where I'm being hit or abused. Um, and there's a fear. And and honestly, if you talk to some some foster care kids, they'll tell you they're like, I should have never been put, put back. But because my parent did the to-do list that they were told to do by the, by the court, um, they were allowed to have me back and it was it was horrible maybe it was good for a period of time but then the parents started drinking again and got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then they started abusing and it's just this whole gross mess and reunification again can work for some but it doesn't work for everybody and i think that that's the hard part is that it's based off of a to-do list that someone could check off and go do and it's not really based off the situation like, okay, this parent is taking seven months to start even doing this process. Um, they've done this process in four years versus what could have been done in six months or a year. And you just, it's hard because again, the CPS workers know it and it, there's nothing that they can do. It's not them. It's literally the system. And, and honestly, it's like even the courts, they can't really do anything. They have to legally show they're letting the parent try and they're giving them opportunity after opportunity. And let me tell you, like, going back and forth between abuse is the most degrading thing in the world. Because what, again, it says is, for a period of time, I will be a great parent. And then once they stop looking, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And hurt you. Or start sexually abusing you again. And you realize that that parent is not the parent you need. So foster care, again, it does not happen because a child did something wrong. It always happens because the parent did something very bad. And unfortunately, it takes a really long time sometimes to get those kids out of that environment. The foster care system is overwhelmed. There's over 400,000 foster care kids in the United States today. Um, and so how do we help? Uh, there are so many programs we can be a part of. We need more foster houses. We need more good parents. Um, connect with your local church. Connect with your county. See how you guys can help. I know here's the reality is being a foster care parent exposes every aspect of your life your finances, your relationship, your marriage, your friendships, your community, it exposes everything. But it is so worth it to look at one child and say, you're worth it. Um, teenagers are, are least likely to be placed. They are afraid of foster homes and um, usually go to a group home. And I was talking to one young man who said, you know, I, I didn't know what the difference was between a foster home and a group home. But what I did know once I got there was a group home didn't care for me. Like I was just doing my own thing. And then by the time I was able to get into a foster home, I was given all these rules. So if you are fostering teenagers, realize they're usually raising themselves at a very, very young age. Um... They're usually raising their siblings, and so they don't get placed with their siblings. And nobody really wants to foster a, a teenager 
they will usually go toward younger children. Um, and I get it. I understand. But it is, there is so much love that needs to be given toward every child and every community can help. Um, there are county programs that you can help fund. There are college programs that you can help fund. But there's just a really big need to help foster care kids. And I said this, it didn't land well with a few people, but I said, you know, in America, our orphans are our foster care kids. And what I mean by that is, yes, their parents are around, but their parents are not mentally around. And they need community to be able to survive. So, yes, they are our orphans of, of America. And it is very hard to see and hear these stories. Even as a foster care kid myself, it breaks my heart when I have shared my story, just little pieces of my story. And like, this is what I experienced. This is what I've gone through. And I'm not going to go in the details, but you know why I was in foster homes. So that's all I have to say for them to get it. And uh, every student has said, I finally hear someone I can relate to. And my hope is to continue to share my story on a larger scale to get into more of these rooms. Because what tends to happen is that, you know, a lot of schools or organizations will bring these really great people in who are politicians or, or um, people who are very disconnected to what foster care is. And I think that that's why this conversation is so important. But they'll come in and be like, oh, you know, when you go to education, your parents will help you. And these kids are sitting there like, my parent told me to go die, <laughs> like literally. Um, and I remember that feeling of just like, you know, people were like, oh, studying was so hard. And it was like living in my car was really hard too. And so being able to say that to these students, they're like, oh my God, you get me. You understand me. You really like not even a little bit, like you get me like, yes, our stories are different. Um, maybe they were in more homes than I was or, or whatever, or they were in their abuse longer. Um, but every single one of them are just like, you finally, I finally have someone standing in front of me who really, really gets it. Um, and I think that's such a powerful thing. So I'm going to continue sharing my story. Next episode, I'm actually going to share my story with you guys. Um, just to share it, I think it's super important. I'm not going to go into the details, but it's very important for people to understand how bad foster care um it's not even foster care, just being abused is how bad being abused is. And foster care can be that saving grace, but why we push back at it. So I want you guys to join me next week. I'm sorry if this was depressing. Actually, I'm not sorry. I want you guys to understand and to understand sometimes we have to go through the, the ugly to be able to understand so, so we can help and become the, the beauty from those ashes for these, these people. So if you guys have any questions, let me know. Um, and I hope you enjoyed today's session our session, our episode, um, not a session. I'm not a counselor, but, um, just, I hope you guys have, have learned something from today. If you have any questions, please reach out. I am always here to answer those questions and I will see you all next week.